0: I'm recording this episode on July 2nd, 2022. And in a few days, I will be traveling by plane for the first time in several years. So I'm going to share that today. A few days from now is also July 4th. And it's interesting because it feels different this year after everything that's happened in this country. I actually. Recorded an episode sharing some of my feelings around Roe versus Wade. And that was almost a week ago. And when I was recording it, I just found myself having trouble verbalizing a lot of the things that I was feeling and didn't feel fully comfortable with the way that I was expressing it. But I did want to make a note of it, even though that's not the main topic today, that I felt a lot of sadness and confusion. I also felt like it gave me an opportunity to better understand politics. I also got a lot of perspective on the things that marginalized communities have been facing and how I have so much privilege as a white woman to feel kind of like a rare moment of time where I feel like I don't have as much autonomy or a feeling like my rights are taken away. And, and one thing I've really heard from people of color, a lot of women of color talking about how this almost didn't feel like a surprise or a shock to them because of everything that they've gone through. And that just brought up a lot of intense emotions. And I felt for days after the Supreme Court decision, just a lot of emotional heaviness and the episode I recorded was really in the midst of it. And now several days later, I don't know if I feel numb to it or I just don't feel the intensity quite as much. It's just an interesting time. And especially this being a holiday weekend that I'm recording this, just feels a little off, I suppose. Also a heads up, there's someone outside blasting fairly loud music. And I don't know if it's coming from a nearby home or a car or if that'll change. So if you hear that in the background, my apologies. (laughs) If you didn't know this, my desk and essentially where I record most everything these days is right in front of a big window overlooking a, a street and a number of different homes. So it doesn't always give me great audio. But I'm recording this on the later side. If you listen to my show regularly, you know that sometimes my episodes are done kind of last minute. And I've been feeling, well, just the last few days have been really intense and exhausting for me. Not only am I getting ready for this trip, and also if you're not watching the video, I will tell you that behind me is a bed. And on that bed right now, I am organizing all of my packing for travel. So I have clothes back there. Mo- that's mostly what you can see, but if you could see the whole bed, there's like all of the things I've laid out for this trip and it brought me a lot of joy to do that. I actually started packing for this trip about a week ago, which is kind of amusing to me because I love to prep way ahead of time. And and if you know me, And anytime I've talked about trips, I talk about things that I'm buying and packing and thinking about. And there have been times that that has been quite stressful. And part of the stress was that I had to do a lot of prep work, work work-wise, career-wise. If you didn't know this about me, the majority of my income comes from being hired by various companies, individuals, a lot of small business owners, startups, as well as, you know, entrepreneurs, did I say that word already? (laughs) Creative types hire me mostly to support with social media marketing, but I've expanded my knowledge and experience to a lot of different types of marketing. And one of the reasons I'm traveling in a few days is to go to Costa Rica and I'm so excited because in this episode, I'll share more details. I think I teased it a little. Did I even say where I was going yet? I'm not sure, but I haven't shared any details about why I'm going where I'm going. So on this coming week, I'm flying and you're hearing this episode. This episode comes out when after or during my trip, I should say. So I'm going to Costa Rica to be part of a retreat that I was hired to help market. And it's been a really amazing experience for me. I was involved with a retreat back in, I think it was 2014. If you have known me for that long, maybe you remember this. It was actually with Jason, who used to co-host the show, Fully Raw Christina, Koya Webb, and our friend... Why am I... I feel awful. Completely blanking on Amber, uh, (laughs) who's now married to J.P. Sears. Is that his name? J.P.? Right? I don't know why I'm blanking on their names, but anyways, so Amber, I don't know if she still does this, but she used to lead retreats in Costa Rica, and so she asked, invited me, Jason, Christina, and Koya to be part of this retreat, and is a bit of a regret for me because I didn't actually end up going. There was a lot of chaos happening around that retreat, or confusion, I should say. Chaos isn't quite the right word it just didn't come together very easily and now that I know more about myself and the way my brain works I recognize why I didn't go so I'll tell you a little about the story real quick just to lead up to this new retreat right so I had known Amber for many years Zucksworth is that her that was her last name before she got married that's why I was spacing on it for a second I think it's Zucksworth I don't know why. I just haven't said her name in a long time, but we met when I was living in San Francisco and I was doing the fruitarian way of eating a lot of raw food, which is her or was her focus. I'm not sure if she still eats that way. We became good friends. And then when I moved back to LA, we stayed in touch. And she then I think moved to Costa Rica and started doing these retreats. And I had met Christina, previous to this retreat experience, obviously Jason and I were dating at the time. And then Koya, I think I may, might've known her a little bit, but I got to know her mostly through that retreat experience. And so Amber organized it together. I was super involved helping promote it and developed classes. That I was going to teach about the eco-friendly lifestyle. And It just felt like an extremely stressful travel experience for me. Funny enough, now that I travel so much, this might seem odd. But in the past, I just would get a lot of resistance to travel. And actually, I still do. I'm going to Costa Rica, as I mentioned, for this trip. And I felt not a ton of resistance coming up because it was a work opportunity. That retreat with Amber was as well. But I think it felt maybe I was just in a very different time in my life, but there was some challenge with the flights. I remember like getting to Costa Rica started to feel really overwhelming and confusing. And then I don't recall what it is in this moment, but something was really up in the air and I had so much anxiety about it and didn't feel supported. Whether or not the reality of support was there, I didn't feel it. I didn't get the like, comfort or like information. I needed something like this. This is all very vague memories. So I last minute decided not to go to Costa Rica. Jason still went, Christina, Coya, and Amber were all there. They had the best time. I remember looking at their photos and feeling a lot of mixed feelings because even though I knew I didn't feel comfortable traveling, I wish that I had been able to overcome that. And I ended up teaching my classes virtually so, like they set up a camera for me at the retreat and I p- presented to the group there. But it was just challenging. There was a lot of mental and emotional challenges with that experience. And the other big thing that I regret is Jason's friends, who are now my friends, got married in Costa Rica, either right before the retreat or right after. And they got married at this beautiful place. It was like a butterfly pavilion or something like that. So their whole wedding was butterfly themed and it sounded magical. And I really regret not being there for their wedding, especially as they become even better friends of mine now. Jason did go. And, you know, it was one of those times where I just wish that the situation had worked out differently. So when I got this opportunity, to be part of this retreat in a very different way because I'm not teaching at this retreat. I'm helping the creator of the retreat, the organizer, find ways to effectively market it. And I feel like it's an opportunity for me to do something that didn't feel like the right timing or the right situation many years ago. So that's an interesting element of it. I've never been to Costa Rica. So it makes me a little nervous, you know, going to like a brand new country. Years ago, the last time I think I actually traveled internationally was when I went to Greece, which I believe was in 2018. And the um, guy I was dating at the time invited me out there. And I remember also like having so much resistance, even though I really wanted to go to Greece, it was hard for me. I, I feel like I told a little of this story in a past episode, but wow, I'm so glad I pushed through the emotional obstacles that I face sometimes with travel to go because it was just a phenomenal experience. And I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that Costa Rica will be the same. I'll tell you a little bit more about the retreat in a moment, but I don't think I mentioned that after Costa Rica, I am flying back to Los Angeles just so I can get another plane to go to Singapore because my dad is out there for business And that was probably a harder emotional obstacle for me because it was a decent amount of money to fly there, the plane flights. And the plane flights, (laughs) is that just cancel? Those words cancel each other out. The flights out there were kind of pricey. And it was overlapping with the Costa Rica trip. My dad's going to Singapore for like, 12 days or something. And I was hoping to go for half the time, five or six days, but the Costa Rica opportunity came up. And so to make it work, I had to go immediately from Costa Rica out, out there. So that's also really special for me. I can't remember if I mentioned this. Did I? I hope I'm not repeating the story, but it's really important for me on a few levels. Mainly that when I was about 14 years old, my dad took me to Australia. I feel like I might've told this part. So I'm just going to tell it really quickly (laughs) in case I'm retelling something. But we had this amazing trip for business. I think he was probably even with the same company that he's going to Singapore with, brought me to Australia with him. And it was just so special. And this time, I I feel like I'm kind of getting another opportunity that I had never even thought I would get again with my dad because he usually travels with my mom. And so for him to invite me, I just felt like I couldn't say no, even though I felt some of the resistance and the fears coming up, I knew I needed to make it work. And actually what I'm getting paid for the Costa Rica trip, I'm using to cover my Singapore travels. So it all kind of worked out where I'm basically doing two trips virtually for free. So that's pretty neat. It sounds really great, but I want to be honest, it's tough for me. So part of what I want to share is the experience of planning these trips. I can tell you about some of the cool things that I got and also some things that I'm learning, especially when it comes to neurodivergence. So I'll start with that. I feel like the more I learn about being on the autism spectrum, as well as ADHD, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of the challenges that I've felt emotionally and mentally throughout my whole life, but didn't understand why. And I hear so many people who have had a late in life diagnosis. I don't even know if late in life is the right term because I don't feel like I'm late in life, but considering that a lot of people get diagnosed with some sort of neurodivergence early on, a lot of kids, for example, get diagnosed with ADHD or autism It feels like it's often considered to be something that you're working through in childhood. And up until recently, I haven't heard a lot of adults talk about their experiences or getting a late diagnosis. And now I feel like I see it everywhere. TikTok, it's very popular to talk about ADHD. So sometimes it feels a little trendy, but it reminds me of when I figured out my gluten sensitivity. And actually, I haven't really given this a ton of thought till in this moment, but when I first cut gluten out of my diet, I remember questioning a lot and thinking, am I really sensitive to gluten or is this in my head? Am I just doing it because it's a trend? You know. And I felt really vulnerable talking about it. I, I remember I wrote some blog posts and I don't know if somebody commented or if in my research I kept coming across a lot of people saying like, you don't need to eat gluten free unless you're allergic to it. And, and such a small percentage of people are allergic. And so, if you're eating gluten free, it's just a trend. I still hear this to the day, but I know I'm so confident and clear that I have a gluten sensitivity. In fact, today I am suffering from eating a small amount of this gluten filled pizza crust that I really wanted to taste yesterday. And all day, actually up until fairly recently, I've been blowing my nose, sneezing. I'm just now kind of coming out of it. And so I have enough evidence and clarity, but there's still parts of me that wonder like, is it all in my head? And I'm definitely feeling a lot of that with ADHD and autism. It feels especially challenging for me to talk about being on the autism spectrum. I feel very, very vulnerable because there's so much doubt in my head since I haven't had an official diagnosis or evaluation yet. And also when I first started suspecting that I had ADHD and went to my psychiatrist about that, she doesn't think that I have ADHD. And so, uh, which I talked about when this first happened, I think this was last, about a year ago, last July, 2021. And that was why I saw her in the first place. And I said, I'm think I have ADHD. I'd like to be evaluated for it. She said she couldn't officially evaluate for me, but she could assess to the best of her abilities. And after she asked me some questions, I answered them. She says, I don't believe you have it. I think you just have an anxiety. I don't know if she called it a disorder or not, but I remember feeling a bit deflated and I'm pretty sure that I recorded an episode right after that to share and so, for a while, several months, probably, I kind of put that aside, but all of a sudden, I start coming across all this information, and then hearing about autism and thinking, "Wait a second, I identify and align with so much of this, and I'm not like, why would I want to be ADHD or or on the autism spectrum?" you know <laughs> like just like I don't want to be gluten free, I don't want to have a sensitivity to gluten." Can I tell you how frustrating it is to not be able to comfortably eat glutinous foods? It's so hard. Just an hour ago, I was trying to pick where to eat dinner and I have to constantly check every menu and decide where my comfort is because gluten is actually quite challenging to avoid at certain restaurants. So that's part of the journey too, is recognizing that if I was just doing this for a trend, it'd, it'd probably feel easy to sway back and forth. And anytime I felt inconvenienced, I would just like eat as much gluten as I wanted. And I feel the same way about being on the autism spectrum and ADHD is that looking at all the symptoms or traits, I should say, that I have, those have actually made my life hard. They're not things that I enjoy, except for on the autism side of things the way my brain works i do get a lot of compliments for that <laughs> like people often say wow i can't believe you do x y and z how are you able to do that people point out the differences with my brain very commonly and and i've learned to feel proud of that you know i kind of just thought oh it's just the way my brain processes things like i never would have thought it was part of any sort of quote, disorder or disability. It's interesting to me in the context of travel. So coming back around to that, I started to grow curious to see what type of accommodations airlines and airports had for people who are neurodivergent. I can't remember if I looked for that information or came across somebody talking about it. And then that started a whole journey. But In the past few weeks, I started researching this and then yesterday spent a lot of time trying to see how that was treated. And autism is considered, I think it's a developmental disability, which kind of sounds, I don't know, like I think that a lot of people have tons of preconceived notions and stigmas around disability. But as I learn more about ableism... I don't want to view disabilities, and I don't think that I feel judgmental towards people that have disabilities, but maybe if I do, it is that I'm afraid of people judging me, if that makes sense. So anyways, I came across the fact that TSA, as well as many, if not most airlines, have special accommodations for autism, What's challenging is that a lot of those have been designed around autistic children and family members of autistic children who are traveling together. So I found it really hard to find out what's in place for autistic adults. But I was able to find a little. And a lot of the challenges that adults have are similar to what children have. It's just a little bit more a tendency for adults to be more capable of doing things on their own, more... Self aware, more adapted to things. So, when I understood how autism can f- feel not triggered, but the, basically the challenges that somebody w- with autism can have during a flying experience, I suddenly felt like, wow, I am f- recognizing that most of the time that I've been in an airplane, I felt all of these things, but basically masked them. Or convinced myself not to worry about them. And probably because as I was little, I imagine my parents either dismissed my fears or I didn't verbalize them or they kind of quieted them somehow. Like I think I just learned to deal with them. And I don't have a ton of memories around what that was like, but I did fly a, a good amount of times as a kid and as a teenager. But I do have a ton of memories as an adult and a huge indicator of that is for probably 10 years, I flew with Evie, my dog, as an emotional support dog. And I remember after the first or second flight doing that with her, noticing how much of a difference that made. And I kind of always thought, oh, it's just because I feel... Comfort with Evie. You know, she's nice to have with me. But I would start to pick up on how I was more focused when Evie was with me. And the reason I was paying so much attention to this is because I felt like I had to justify why I had an emotional support dog. And technically, I did. Because I had to get a letter from a doctor in order to have an emotional support dog. I always had to call the airline ahead of time. I had to go through a special screening, you know, I I always had to explain to people that I that she was supportive of my anxiety. And I often felt almost like a not a fraud, but I was worried that people wouldn't believe me. And I wondered similar to the gluten experience I shared. Was I using her as an emotional support dog without being, I don't even know what term to use, like qualified or something, you know? And I I would study it. I would read up on emotional support dogs and understand what it was for and the difference between service animals and all of that. And so I became really knowledgeable and felt like the focus was there for me. The comfort was there. I felt less anxiety and I felt supported, I suppose, with Evie. And I really noticed this a lot when she came into my life in general. For a while, it actually even helped with my sleep disorder. I remember I was doing less sleepwalking when I first got her, although over time, unfortunately, I got back into my sleep rhythms. But it just felt like I had support, for lack of a better way of describing it. And now that I look back on the, autistic challenges I've had and the ADHD too, I realized, wow, without even realizing it, I was finding all these benefits for travel, having a a dog with me. Now, unfortunately, a few years ago, the airlines changed their rules and no longer allow emotional support animals. And this was heartbreaking for me. This is actually one of the big reasons that I started driving across the country. In 2020, not only did I want to go on a cross-country trip and feel less comfortable with COVID, that was around the time. It might have even been like March 2020 or something that the airlines made that decision. And I thought, well, traveling with Evie makes such a big difference for me. I could still have her with me on a plane. It's not like they were saying I couldn't bring her, but there's a huge difference between an emotional supporter, a service animal and just a regular pet because pets need to be enclosed in a carrier underneath the seat in front of you. For me, I felt major comfort with Evie sitting on my lap. In fact, just saying that out loud, I can feel it in my body. It's actually similar to how I feel with a weighted blanket. Not only does the weight of her feel comforting to me, but it was like her warmth and her presence, and it was like she was she was my security blanket in a way, and having her under the seat just would feel there would feel like a distance, a gap it just wouldn't be the same, and on top of that, they charge so much money the huge benefit of an emotional support animal is that you can do it for free. but I think this is why they stopped allowing it because a lot of people were abusing the system. And i that's where I got in my head, too. I'm like, am I abusing the system? You know, I don't have a visible disability. So yesterday, as I'm researching autism and travel, I'm seeing articles refer to it as an invisible disability. And it was like, oh, wow, that makes sense. And there are some dogs that are trained specific for autism. There are also dogs I found out that you can train for gluten where they will tell you you can like they're gluten sniffing dogs so you can present food to them and they will indicate whether that food has gluten in it or not and i was like oh my gosh so now i have this dream of actually getting an official service dog that's trained for autism i don't know if you can train for adhd probably trained for gluten like i'm like wow like can i get a dog that supports me with all of these things like that I need help with, but also just to have an official service dog so that I could fly with them without having to go through all this old rigmarole. And yeah, so I share that part of the story because that was kind of a big eye opener for me when it came to travel. And when I traveled without Evie a few months ago on my last road trip, I remember also feeling like I didn't just miss her but I didn't feel the level of emotional comfort and emotional support that she provides me during travel. Like she really helps ease a lot of my anxiety just by being there. And human beings, I actually don't feel that with because since I struggle a lot with socializing and communication, I tend to feel very tense around human beings, even people that I feel are understanding. I still feel like I have to do this level of masking and performance around them. I'm still not fully at ease with other people. And and that's super interesting too, to notice about myself. So all this said, I want to share with you a couple things that I'm doing for these trips. So first of all, you can go on the TSA website and they have a special section. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. It's probably got the word disability in it. And you can alert TSA before your flight, they recommend 40 to 72 hours minimum in advance. You give them all your flight details and you tell them what your disability is and what accommodations you need. And so I can tell you what I wrote too, if you're curious, because I really wanted to think it through to make sure I was communicating properly. I'm laughing because, like, even that I'm learning is a bit of a neurodivergent tendency. Like, I need to do a lot of research to figure out how to phrase things. And that's really fascinating because I think a lot of people just think it's easy for me to communicate. I like to public speak. I do a podcast. But the way my brain works, it's actually really hard. I've just become skilled at it, if that makes sense. So even after lots of practice, it's not easy. It's just that I've trained myself, you know, but I still feel the resistance within me and the second guessing and the challenges along the way. So for TSA, I wrote that I find communication, social and behavioral interactions challenging. I know that's true because even saying that out loud to you, like, gives me this like kind of a butterfly feeling physically. It's like I have pulse of anxiety, like just thinking about being in TSA and communicating with the people there, being around all those people and interacting with people really hard. Like, I mean, the stress levels I get from that. I also wrote that I'm sensitive to loud noises and voices because it, thinking about it, all I can hear is the loudness of it. And speaking of which, one thing I think I'm going to try on this trip is wearing my headphones, which a lot of people with autism tend to do. It's very common for them to be wearing headphones to block out noise. But I'm so sensitive sensory-wise that I'm not even sure wearing my... I feel like my headphones would bother me too. (laughs) Like I don't know. There's You probably have seen me wear them. I wear them for most podcasts. Actually, whenever I have a guest, if you've watched the YouTube videos, I'm wearing my headphones. And I'm fine with them in that situation. But I don't know, walking around with them on... We'll see. We'll see if I can handle that. If not, I might put in some earplugs. I have some wax earplugs that like mold to your ear, but I've also been wanting to try these special earplugs that are like reusable. They almost look like they're little mini Bluetooth headphones, but they're just earplugs. And I forget what the company's name is called. It's interesting. In this moment, I'm like, hmm, should I order some of those? Before my trip, I don't know if they would arrive on time. And I've also spent more money than I'm normally accustomed to preparing for this trip. So I don't know. I think they're like $30. Huh. I'm going to make a note to myself and also try to remember what the name of those earplugs are because they're really cool. I remember looking them up for some reason. Let me see real quick if I can find them on Amazon. I feel so conflicted shopping on Amazon, by the way. It's, you know, it's so convenient, but I just feel very conflicted. And what I've allowed myself to overcome the ethical issues I have with Amazon because I get so stressed making decisions and weighing out things and researching stuff. And right now my stress barrier is, I don't even know how to put it, like my ability to take on more stress is very limited. So I shopped on Amazon for this trip as well as a few clothing stores and bought new clothing. That's like a big deal for me because I love to get things secondhand, but I was really struggling to find a lot of things secondhand. So I ended up buying brand new things, which cost more money and involved me shopping at some stores that I've... feel a little iffy about, but the convenience factor was what I needed because I also become hyper aware of like how much stress I can take on of that type. And if I put myself in too many stressful situations, my bandwidth is shot. I get burnt out more easily. I can't function that well. These are, I think tend to be more common, I think, for ADHD. Sometimes I blur the line between autism and ADHD as I'm learning more about them. But that's something that I'm also working on with my neurodivergence. It's like it's okay to do things that you're not fully in line with, with if they do help you cope and get by. You know, I think many of us can strive to be so perfect and do things, quote, right and ethically all the time. And being someone that's very driven by my ethics and my values, I'd love to live my life in full alignment, but I just can't always do that, you know, and I carry around a little bit of guilt for it. So I try to be very transparent. So the company that I was thinking of for earplugs is called Loop. And they're about what I thought they were price-wise. I think they're about $35. Double checking that I'm. they have different types for different reasons. So they have a few different options. One's called Loop Quiet and it's all about reducing the noise to find your quiet. Oh, they're only $20. Huh. This is interesting. That to me and it says I could get it by tomorrow. This is another huge benefit of Amazon. Again, like resource-wise, I'm like I feel all this guilt like ugh you know the car the delivery drivers and the gas that it takes and the packaging like i can't stand that i feel awful let me see if you can get loop somewhere else in la this is a challenge with the holiday weekend but i'm going to look this up in real time so the loop quiet reduce noise they're made from soft silicone and it says they help get you in your bubble They come in four different sizes. They look very fashionable. Uh, They also help with background noise. They're great for sleeping and can help you focus or concentrate while studying, working, or reading. And they also come in handy while traveling or commuting. They're easy to use. They're flexible. I feel like I'm doing an ad for them, but I'm just reading this out loud as a way for me to decide. Then they have something called Loop Experience which if I remember correctly, is mostly for like when you go to a concert. Yeah. They're high fidelity hearing protection for motorcycles, work, and noise sensitivity. These are $30. Hmm. This is what I have to decide is like the noise sensitivity side of it. But I think they're mostly... Oh, see, this is interesting. They're extremely suitable for people who are easily triggered by noise, noise sensitivity, musicians, parents, and more. Maybe I need to go read up on what other people have said, but that sounds pretty appealing. And I like the idea that you can use them if you go to a concert. But what I'm concerned about, for me, my noise sensitivity is so specific. This comes into play with sleep too. I have to have a very specific type of noise, white noise for me to sleep. It can't be quiet. Like the silence... I find very uncomfortable. So I'm worried that with earplugs, that it's going to be too quiet. And if sound is like muffled in a weird way, that's really tough for me. But I also don't sleep very well when there's a ton of noise. So I need the white noise in order to cancel that out. So this is why I have to better understand how these earplugs work. So I'll do some research and I'll let you know. I feel like 20 or $30 make sense for something that's reusable and that helpful. And I hadn't even thought about it because I was going to use my headphones. But like I said, my headphones, sometimes the sensory feeling of, of it on my head and like covering up my ears. And these are other clues to me with autism is like people with autism, I think is the correct way to say it. There's like a whole PC terminology. I don't I can't remember if it's better to say somebody who has autism, someone who is autistic. I feel like there's a lot of like preferences around that. I don't care. I will say either for myself right now, but I usually say that I'm on the autism spectrum. I felt more comfortable saying that because I'm still feeling it out, you know, and I want to be very clear about it. Versus, I'm. I think I'm just concerned with people. Questioning it, like I said, anyways, it's very common for people with autism to be very particular around sensations, like that the sensory issues are huge, so for me, it's like as i 'm thinking about t s a and I'm going to go back to what I was saying about t s a too having something on my ear while i'm walking around and like trying to listen to things like. Oh, just gives me anxiety just thinking about it. (laughs) But I'm going to figure this out. So what I was saying is you fill out this form. And I said the things I already shared about sensitivity to noises and voices. I also said that I'm challenged with unexpected changes, meaning like if I get to TSA and... Their rules have changed about what you can bring through. I get so anxious thinking about like do I have to take off my shoes or not? I have TSA PreCheck through Global Entry, which if you don't know about that, it is something you can purchase. It's $100 every 4 or 5 years. I think it's 4 years. And allows you to not only go through TSA PreCheck, but when you come back into the United States, it helps you through the customs process. So you can skip the longer lines. Both of them allow you to go through shorter lines typically. And TSA pre-check, I think you don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take things out of your bag. Like It's just a ton of convenience, which is also relieving because I get so stressed out when I... I mean, literally the entire time I'm in line, TSA feels like a nightmare to me. My sensory issues are like on fire (laughs) where standing close to strangers makes me deeply uncomfortable. Worrying about getting to my flight on time makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to get to the airport super early each time because I don't want to deal with that anxiety. But then like the entire time I'm in line at TSA, I'm practicing rehearsing in my head What it'll be like when I get up there. And I'll be like holding my ID in one hand just so I can be ready when I get up there to give my ID and my, you know, ticket. And then like when I get into line, I feel like my brain has been like rehearsing. Okay. I'm going to get my laptop out and this and that. And like, so I'm just consumed by those, I wouldn't quite say worries, but like that's just how my brain is working below the surface like nobody would know it because I've trained myself to look really relaxed but inside it's just madness for me <laughs> and anyways what I'm concerned about since I've been flown in years is like you I could do a ton of research online but they could still change the rules like the day of my trip and Gosh, I'm just concerned about that. So, I'm hoping that by alerting them ahead of time about my needs, maybe they'll do something. I don't know how well that the staff is trained. Like, how would they know? Like, maybe when I scan my ID or something. I don't, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. TSA also has a card that you can print out, and it's for people with disabilities. And so, you can write in your disability in that line. So, I'm going to try that even though I feel almost like embarrassed to do that, I would rather be a little bit embarrassed, but feel like I'm getting my accommodations met. So maybe submitting that form and having that little card printed out will be helpful. And it felt good for me at least to write out what my needs for in terms of accommodations were ahead of time because then it allows me to practice it. And what I will also do is copy and paste this phrase I wrote out into my notes on my phone. And I'm not planning this, but I'm anticipating that right before I get to TSA, I'll have my phone out and I'll be like practicing verbalizing it because that gives me comfort because I have challenges communicating, especially in those stressful situations. When I flew with Evie as an emotional support dog, I would do the same thing. I would practice. I'd be ready for the agent. I would know exactly how to explain why I had an emotional support dog. I'd have all my documents ready. I'd send them things in advance. I'd bring a multiple copy. It's like it was all deeply planned out in order for me to avoid things going wrong. And one time it did, and it was awful. I got stuck at the gate, like as I was trying to board the gate, the flight attendant or the person working at the gate pulled me aside and started questioning about bringing an emotional support dog on. And they almost didn't let me on the flight. And I just broke down crying. And I was like trying to explain the dog and how this situation was like completely going against, like it was triggering all the reasons I had the dog in the first place. And they finally let me on the flight, but it was so traumatic. So ever since then, I've been like trying to avoid that situation, you know, and that's, what's really sad is if you don't know how to advocate for yourself and express your needs for accommodations, it can be really tough, especially if you have what's considered an invisible disability. So in addition to TSA, I also researched the different airlines that I'm traveling. I am flying three different airlines, one round trip from LA to Costa Rica one from LA to Singapore and one from Singapore to LA it just made sense for me to do different airlines mostly from a money standpoint two of the airlines had online forms you could fill out to ask for accommodations and the main thing that I need is to pre-board I don't maybe need is is a extreme word but it's a makes a big difference for me and i was able to do this with evie i didn't know this for years but maybe like a few years into taking evie as an emotional support dog on flights i learned that since i qualified as a disability even though at the time i didn't know that know that i had one i knew that the services evie were providing were essentially for a disability and so you can board the plane first so you'll typically see people in wheelchairs getting on. You'll see parents with young kids and anybody else who needs that extra time. And for a while, I felt like I didn't deserve to pre-board in that section. I felt like I was taking advantage of it, you know, and that made me feel weird. But the reason I did it and grew more confident over time, was that it made a huge difference for my anxiety and stress when I could get on the airplane before most other people. Sometimes I was the only one on the airplane first or the very first one on there. I would get to my seat and like be able to put my bag right above me. And I have a whole system for myself on the plane to help me with all of my challenges. And so... I would get everything out and settled. I would get Evie settled. And it was so relieving and peaceful for me. And even though Evie's not coming on this flight with me next week, I realized that because of this invisible disability that I could still pre-board, but I had to just request it ahead of time. You could also just ask the gate agent. So I'm looking forward to that because I got myself a number of things to support me with the neurodivergence, but also with COVID. (laughs) That could be a whole separate episode, but man, the research I have done to take care of myself health-wise physically has been intense. So essentially I'm going to be wearing my KN95 mask I will likely wear another mask on top of it. That was recommended by a number of people that I researched, including some immunologists. Is that what they're called? Wait a second. Someone that studies viruses and health and all that. So I researched it, talked to some other people. Like that was a big thing. I also got a face shield, which is like the plastic, uh, clear pieces that you can wear that kind of usually attach through a headband on the top of your head and drop down and they're open on the sides and and the bottom, but they just block further particles. They also, if you sneeze or something, it's like a sneeze guard. So I got that mainly to wear on the airplane when I do eat and drink because there's a lot of concerns around that. And I'm really feeling anxious about eating and drinking because before I started reading up on COVID right now, I was super excited about food and drinks. I mean, I have that all planned out. I've got a number of my favorite snacks. I have my water bottles, multiple right? I'm bringing my life straw on, which has the built-in filter and the little straw attachment so I can sip it more easily. I'm bringing at least one more bottle, maybe two additional, so three water bottles total that I can fill up at the airport because I've heard some issues with water on planes, mostly like when you're sitting on the tarmac, if there's delays, I could go on and on. But I was like, I do not want to be stuck without water. And then from an environmental standpoint, I always like to bring my own on because a lot of times the airplanes have like these little plastic bottles I just think are so wasteful. And then the actual water on the plane tends to be not very well filtered depending on the airline. So anyways, that's why I want to bring on my own. But unfortunately, because COVID cases have been so high recently and a lot of people are getting sick from travel, it's advised to either not eat or drink on the plane at all which feels almost impossible for these long flights I'm taking but they recommend like not taking your mask off when other people are eating on the plane and just keeping it to a minimum and I I'm just worried I, you know I've always been really worried about covid and maybe that's part of my neurodivergence like I overthink things I get anxiety like it's just Been really stressful for me. And I'm sad because I enjoy eating and drinking snacks. You know, my Singapore flights include all these nice meals and I've requested vegan meals on them. That was another big issue because there was no option to request vegan and gluten free. So I may get vegan food, but in the past, that's like included bread or like wheat noodles. And I'm stuck, like, It's hard. This is the thing. It is hard to have all of these needs, you know, but I think understanding them and finding confidence in them makes it emotionally easier for me because I can just advocate and say to other people, they may think I'm extreme, but if this is what I need, if this is what brings me comfort, then that's okay. And I think that that's also been a huge part of my journey with neurodivergence. Is I've always kind of stood out for having a lot of needs, and I think I tried really hard to minimize that. But now I'm like sticking up for myself and being more proud about it. You know, like even working on not taking it personally when people make fun of me or attack me. I mean, I've had people criticize me or attack me for my COVID viewpoints. And you know what? After two years, I have developed a lot of confidence and it's like, I am glad I got the vaccines. I, to my knowledge, have never had COVID aside from that one positive test. So maybe I did have it. But if you've heard that story, I thought at the time it was a false positive. So I still don't know if I ever actually had COVID, but I've never had symptoms. Thank goodness. And I think it's because I've I've taken sometimes some extreme measures. And on this trip, I plan to take extreme measures. Like wearing two masks and a face shield is probably extreme for a lot of people. I I also bought this product called Nosin, which I did not know about, but I found in my COVID research. It's a nasal sanitizer antiseptic that you swab the inside of your nose and it's used at hospitals as another layer of protection from germs. It's not marketed as a COVID product, but I'm getting it in hopes that it could help with COVID, but also keep me from catching colds or flu or whatever else. Because the last time I flew on a plane in 2019, I got really sick. I was sick for most of my trip and then sick for like probably a week or so after I got back from that trip. I was coughing all night long. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. It was miserable. And that was a huge moment for me because I thought I had been really safe on the plane, you know, pre COVID. So no mask, but I brought my hand sanitizer. I wiped down the seats and the tray tables and like I brought my water and had immunity stuff and like thought I was doing a good job but i got really sick and i remember thinking wow like how did i get that sick and then a few months later covid comes around and i'm learning all of these things about viruses and realizing like i wasn't really that protected so that kind of let was part of the reason that i started becoming really mindful and a huge reason why on this trip i am willing to go to these extremes some other extremes are I'm going to drop the word extreme because I feel like that's not fully fair to me. I don't believe it. I, this brings me comfort and peace of mind. So I don't see it as extreme. Other people seem to based on their reactions, but it works for me. A couple other things that I'm doing are I <laughs> in 2018 when I went to Greece, I bought, did I, I feel like I might've mentioned this, but worth saying in the context again, I bought this blow up. Pillow that you put your arms through and your head down in so you can lean on your tray table and fall asleep that way. It's amazing. I can't wait to use it again. I also have my Essentia Memory Foam Travel pillow, and that's also great. I have a sleep mask. I've just bought today some jet lag homeopathic pills or whatever. They're helpful for jet lag. So I don't know why I'm saying jet lag. Weird. They're helpful for jet lag and I'm going to try those out. I don't think I've ever had them before. I don't think I used anything like that for when I went to Greece. I also have some sleep supplements. Hopefully I'll bring some melatonin. I'm waiting to see if that arrives in time, but I have like at least two different types of sleep supplements I'm going to try in addition to the jet lag stuff, which I think is also helpful for sleep. And another big thing, speaking of sleep, is I rebought Hug Sleep. Talked about this in the past. There's this brand, Hug Sleep, that makes a sleep pod, and it's a compression product that you put your entire body into. The compression technology gives people with sensory issues or trouble sleeping a lot of comfort. And I did all this research on weighted blankets and really wanted to bring one on the flight because the weighted blankets been a game changer for me, but they're super heavy. And for me doing carry on only and traveling all around, I'm like, that's probably not a good idea to bring a 10 or 15 pound blanket with me. So I got the hug sleep because it's really small and can be really nice you can actually use it on the airplane so it's it's essentially like a thin sleeping bag and again i'm i'm probably going to look a little weird you know can you imagine like <laughs> if i wear it on the plane i really want to take a photo or video because imagine me <laughs> in this gray compression sleeve that goes all the way from my feet up to my shoulders. And then I'm wearing a, <laughs> a mask. I love you so hard thinking about the visuals of this. I'll probably wear my blue blocker glasses because they give your eyes protection from COVID. Any glasses do. But blue blocker glasses are also great for helping you feel more relaxed and falling asleep. So I'm planning to wear those part of the time and then probably my eye mask and then the face shield on top. So like my whole body will be (laughs) covered up and then the face shield, I I don't know how long I'll wear it for, but I plan mainly for like eating or... Maybe in the airport, I'll wear it too. But then imagine when I'm sleeping that I'll have this big blow up thing on the tray table. Like, can you imagine some stranger looking over at me and I'm in like a sleeping bag? (laughs) Oh my gosh. When I first got the, I forget what it's called. I didn't get the name brand, but this, this blow up tray table thing, right? Whatever that pillow is called. When I got that in 2018, my mom was really making fun of me. And like, part of me was laughing with her just like I am now. But part of me was like a little offended. Like, why is it so funny that I'm buying something to make myself more comfortable? You know? I also use this really cool leg swing or foot swing I think it's called that you put over the tray table but it goes down below to the where your feet are what's that called leg room in the leg room area of the the seat and you can put your feet on it and it like makes it more comfortable I have a lot of challenges sitting like that for a long time I really like my legs to be elevated and I won't be able to do that because I'm just sitting in an economy seat, but the swing kind of elevates them a little and allows for some different positioning that are really helpful for my hips. So that made a big difference in 2018. I'll be doing that again here. I also have compression socks. So again, I'm going to be wearing compression socks and this compression sleeve or the whatever you want to call the sleep pod. So yeah, I'm definitely going to look interesting. Maybe I'll end up on someone's video that they share in social media. Hopefully not. I could go on a whole tangent about this, but it's kind of sad that we are at a point with social media where people commonly take pictures and videos of strangers and make fun of them. So like I could see someone seeing me on the plane and thinking like, Ooh, I'm going to post on TikTok. Like how weird is this girl next to me? You know, I that's, that's not a far off thought these days, which is kind of sad. But you know what, again, if this stuff makes me comfortable, I need to just embrace it with confidence and say, like, I'm advocating for my needs. If that helps me get through a 12-hour flight to Singapore so I can sleep and spend quality time with my dad when I get there and not get sick, like I'm thinking about the long-term and sometimes the short-term elements are worth it, even if they're kind of embarrassing or uncomfortable. And embarrassment is also so personal to each of us, right? So I can kind of work my way through embarrassment and learn to be less embarrassed or not embarrassed at all when something's important to me. And that's been a big part of my journey. All of this has contributed to me wanting to pre-board the plane, by the way. The other cool thing that you can do is ask for specific seats on the plane. I learned through this process of the accommodations that, hold on, I got to blow my my gluten-filled nose. <laughs> doesn't make sense, but I'm starting to get sniffly again from eating gluten yesterday. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh, the accommodations for the plane. The other thing I was able to do is ask for specific seating. And they actually reserve some seats on the plane for various needs. For example, they have seats together for a child to sit with their parent or their companion. So if there's like, I think a last minute change and they need to move people around, they'll have like seats for them next to each other. And they also have certain seats saved for people that need special accommodation. So when I booked one of my flights, it was completely full and all I could get was an aisle seat. And due to all these things I do to feel comfortable on a plane, I like to sit at the window because I feel like it gives me distance between other people. So in addition to having distance, which makes me more comfortable, having a wall I can lean up against is very comforting. But also I feel like there's a little bit more privacy, more hidden away out of view from people. So I can do these things and feel like there's a little bit. Like less attention on me. (laughs) And pre boarding allows me to get all this stuff ready ahead of time without someone watching me or like, you know, bumping into them. Like, I have to set up all this stuff and do it in my little seat area. So when I pre board, I'll get on the plane and I'll like stand up in the aisle and like put everything in my seat and organize it based on the order I need and like. I go through my whole routine and that's really hard to do when you know you're in line and all these people are getting in and moving around and ugh that's awful. So I'm so glad that they were able to get me a window seat. They're able to well, hopefully I won't know about the pre-boarding until I get there, but pretty much guaranteed that. Yeah. So wow, I was gonna tell the story of this retreat that I'm going to, but I am over an hour. So I'm going to save that for another episode. I will tell you all about this amazing retreat. I plan to do an episode before I leave and when I return. So I'm not sure when you'll hear about the retreat, if it'll be in the post retreat episode or, and, or one beforehand. Stay tuned. I have two more episodes to record before I leave although when you hear them it'll be after the trip has started and maybe even when i return so the full follow up to the trip episode will be out in early august if if you're not already listening then so stay tuned thank you so much for listening to my journey traveling as someone who has a neurodivergent brain and a lot of special needs <laughs> you know that term too i remember growing up In my school, we had, I think they were, it was called like the special needs kids and they had different classes and a different bus and they were always treated so differently. For example, I remember kids with Down syndrome were in that classroom and they felt so segregated, you know, and I grew up, I don't think I was judgmental towards them, but I just saw them as different, you know, and, and then people would make fun of them. I think nowadays it's, less acceptable to make fun of somebody with special needs. But when, when I was growing up, like we still had, we would kind of do a lot of non-PC things and maybe kids still do that. But like looking back, I just feel sad for that. I feel bad that that stuff was socially acceptable. And so maybe I just grew up thinking like special needs were embarrassing. Special needs were looked down upon, and thought about as weird and different in a bad way, and maybe that's led me to kind of hide all of these things that I struggled with. But I also just didn't know. And sometimes I think back or wonder if my life would be really different if I had been diagnosed with ADHD or autism or maybe something else. You know, I'm still on a journey to figure that out. I. I still would like to get professionally evaluated by a specialist, even though I feel confident identifying with that now. There's a peace of mind I would feel like it would feel more official to have a a diagnosis from a professional. And I wonder, like, what would my life be like if I'd had that when I was little? What would my life be like if I had these accommodations and didn't have to hide them or mask them or... You know, what would learning school have been like? What have would have travel been like when I was younger? And also recognizing that there are probably lots of people in with similar needs as me, but that don't advocate for them. I've noticed this a lot when I talk about what I do and when people view it as different, sometimes I think that's because they've never felt confident doing that. Like how many people would sleep with one of those travel pillows? if it was more common, you know, like if if more people on the plane use them because they knew about them, like maybe a lot of people would use them. Certainly very comfortable. I'm glad I use it. You know, it, it might look strange because it's not common. I've actually seen more people on TikTok talking about them. So probably working our way towards those pillows being more socially acceptable. But the sleep pod, for example, it was on Shark Tank. It's still not a very common product but what if more people thought to bring something like that on the plane with them you know would that reduce anxiety for a lot of people i think about all of these things that i've learned to do over time and maybe they are and will remain a very specific neurodivergent or anxiety related need but also there could be plenty of people like that foot swing that's a pretty common thing that people use like if that alleviates pain or tension discomfort in your body during a flight, then like what if that was a standard thing? Some international flights actually have these little things that pop down for your feet so your feet can be elevated almost they almost look like those I don't even know what the term is when you get a pap smear, you have to put your feet up in these like metal, I want to say stirrups. They're not stirrups. I don't think is the right term. But anyways, <laughs> that's what they remind me of. But they're on airplanes and they fold down so your feet can be propped up and elevated. I've seen that. And that might be on some of my international flights, but I'm still bringing my foot swing with me because I, I'm not counting on it. I also got this special Bluetooth device that will allow my Bluetooth headphones to connect to the in-flight entertainment, just in case. That I've heard that newer planes have that Bluetooth connection option. I've got all sorts of stuff. This is just the beginning. I will tell you about more and or link to videos I plan to do. I'm really hoping that I have the mental energy and bandwidth to make these videos I envision because I feel so excited to share the travel tips with everybody. Because again, these products are not designed for neurodivergent. They just happen to help me with those needs that I have. So they might help you too. I would love to know if you've used any of these things, if any of these things would be helpful to you, or is this the first time you've heard of them? Let me know. Everything will be linked for you in the show notes of this episode at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. There's a full transcript, links to it all. When the video is finally up, that'll be embedded there. And there might be some affiliate links, especially on on Amazon. It depends. The team that supports me with that part of the podcast doesn't do affiliate links for me. So I have to manually put them in and oftentimes I'm too lazy, but we'll see. There might be some. I always like to be transparent that if you buy something that's an affiliate link, I may receive a commission. Usually it's only a few cents or a few dollars, but it all adds up over time. <laughs> And if you ever have questions, I obviously love talking about all this. So if you want to know more about traveling with an invisible disability, if you want to know more about tricks for comfort and sleep and health, COVID, send me a message, send me an email. I'm very easy to reach. If you go to wellevator.com, there are links to my email address. There's links to the social. It's all under Wellevator and or Witt Lauritsen. W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. That's my personal account. I've mentioned before that wellavator was set up with me and Jason. We were running the show and the brand together. But over time, it's very possible I may move everything over to Witt Lauritsen and WhitneyLauritsen.com. But they're all up there now for you to make it easy to get in touch because I love hearing from you. I want to know... What you're feeling, what you're thinking, what your questions are, what your experiences are. We're in this together. And, you know, I always like to open up discussions with kind, understanding people that are good communicators. Every once in a while, I get someone who wants to just push their agenda on me and be combative or critical. And, you know, I'm working on handling that more. But generally, my solution is to block that. So, If you would like to have a true back and forth dialogue, a kind, considerate response is encouraged. If you disagree with me, I'm open to discussion, but just keep in mind, it's it's not designed to change anybody's mind, right? We can't control people. And I'm saying all this because like when I talk about COVID, it triggers some people. Some people just get so upset hearing about vaccines and masks. And you know what? That's fine if you disagree with me, but I will advocate for taking care of myself and do not tolerate people. I think like this is the special needs things too. It's like my tolerance for people that are critical of someone else who's just trying to get their needs met at the end of the day. Aren't we all like even the people that don't wear masks, like maybe their need is to feel free. Maybe their need is to feel more comfortable sometimes their needs may conflict with mine. And that's disappointing. That's frustrating. That's not ideal. But I am also a big advocate, just as I started off with the Roe v. Wade stuff. The reason that I feel so drawn to being pro-choice is that just like if you want to choose whether to wear a mask or not, right? Like we should have the choice. It's a hot topic not getting into it in this episode. I'm trying to wrap this up, but there's a lot of parallels, right? Between like what people want to do to advocate for themselves and make their own choices and to have that autonomy and that agency, I think is so important. Certainly these issues become really challenging though, because there's a ripple effect, you know, and abortion affects other people, affects other lives. So it is not an easy subject matter to discuss, but I believe that we should at least have the choice and the options to make something that's in alignment with us. And we're in a time now with COVID and I'm trying to delicately talk about the two of them, but I'm bringing it full circle at the beginning of this episode. I just see there are parallels, right? Because while they are separate issues, while they are very different issues, one thing that they have in common from my current stance, is that people want freedom to make choices that are best for them, even if it interferes with other people's choices and beliefs and comfort levels, right? I'm prepared or preparing myself for getting on a flight with a lot of people that have chosen not to wear masks. And I am finding balance and comfort with that, knowing that, it is very likely that I will be in the minority of someone who chooses to wear a mask and chooses to have a vaccine and chooses to do all these quote extreme things. But something I've reflected a lot with this Roe v. Wade is that that feels like the opposite, where a lot of people are saying, we don't want to give someone the choice to make these decisions. There seems to be a lot of hypocrisy there that I'm processing So if you want to discuss any of that with me, my point being, I would be happy to have a discussion. I would love to learn your perspective. Just please keep in mind with me and with others that we do not have control over each other. And as much as we may want to, it is very hard to change someone's opinion. We can shift perspective. We can open people's minds and eyes to things and we can present different information. But as I think I've shared in the past episode, it's very, very hard. To completely change someone. So if we can go into these conversations with people who are interested in having a dialogue like myself, I am definitely interested in hearing different opinions, but I prefer to have those conversations with someone who's not committed to trying to change me or shame me or present things to me in a way that's negating my current perspectives or information and and presenting it in a way as if they know better than me i guess that's it like i just not interested in that i'm working on finding confidence and building up from a place of like inner trust you know like all of this journey that i've been on is like what feels right for me what do i need and how does that work out in a world with people that have different needs and different perspectives. That's actually at the core of the show in a lot of ways. And I, I think it's important to bring that up often and remind people, not just in dialogue with me, but like, can we continuously remember that people are coming at life from so many different beliefs and perspectives and current knowledge and that there's just so many, so much change happening. Anyways, I'm going to stop rambling, but <laughs> this episode certainly touched upon things that can trigger others and I thought it was appropriate to bring that up. I'm going to go on with my day. I'm about to go do some what I call summary things. I think I talked about this recently. I love that term. I'm going to go pick up some things from my PO box. I have no idea what's there. Somebody sent me something. <laughs> Don't know what. So that should be interesting. I need to get some things from my home to uh, prepare for the trip. I need to, I'm going to go to a a plant nursery to look at some new plants. Getting really into gardening, as I mentioned. And what else am I doing? I'm going out to my new favorite ice cream place. It's called Kith, K-I-T-H. They have incredible Coconut based soft serve. Oh my God, it's really expensive. It's $8. I guess it's not insanely expensive, but felt like a lot. But you get this huge portion. It's probably like two servings. It's so good. And going out to Thai food and, and a new Thai food place I've never been to called the Silver Lake House. They have a separate vegan menu. So thrilled about that. And I'm going to this bakery to get a very specific cupcake, so <laughs> I've got a um, quite a little journey ahead of me after I finish and wrap this up. So I'm going to go do that. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are in your day. Hope if you're listening to this short when this episode comes out, I hope you're enjoying the summertime. Unless you're in a different country where. It's not currently summer. That's a good question, you know. I know that Australia is on the opposite season, so Singapore must be as well. I did not even consider that. Is it winter time in Singapore? Huh. This is part of my ignorance. Or does is the change in season based on the is it the hemisphere? Gosh, I haven't studied this in so long. I have no idea. I got to add this to my list. What season is Singapore? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to answer this in real time again. Oh, this is fascinating. There's two monsoon seasons, the Southwest monsoon and the Northwest. Wow. This is going to be quite the, um, education for me. Cause I feel very ignorant. All right. Well, don't have an answer for you right off the top of my head because I have no idea. I think it might still be summer for them, but I'm fairly certain that Australia has a different seasonal timeline. Cause I remember I used to be really into Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. Okay, so it is a hemisphere thing. Seasons in Australia are opposite to those in the northern hemisphere. And I know that Singapore is not that far from Australia. Gosh, I know I'm I'm just babbling on here in real time, but I find sometimes this is kind of fun because this is where I can make it more personal. So that God, I also want to make sure that I'm not like nuts about. Yeah. So Singapore is north of it's northwest. Is that right? Yeah, northwest of Australia. It's really fascinating. If you don't travel a lot to look at a map, even of the United States. Sometimes I'm like really confused and then deeply surprised about where things are. But yeah, I had no idea where Singapore was. Like I thought it was much closer to Japan than it is, but it is near Malaysia. So one of my flights has a short layover in the Philippines. I'm super excited to just be there for a very brief time and then my other flight has a 10 and a half layover in Fiji. So I'm going to go spend some time in Fiji and I didn't even really know where Fiji was. Like this is nuts. I even mentioned Fiji to somebody and they thought I was talking about Tahiti. Like people get all this stuff confused, but I mean this is deeply fascinating looking at a map right now how Fiji is a, is just north of New Zealand and Bora Bora's nearby. Like, If you're interested in this stuff, look up some of these places on a map if you haven't before and tell me if your mind is blown (laughs) because I could just stare at maps and look around at things all day long and... I love it. This is part of the brilliance of travel. Okay. No further ado. I got to go. You probably have to go. Thank you for listening. I'll be back with another episode next Monday and a guest episode this Friday. Lots of great people coming up. If you don't listen to those episodes often, actually, the episode this week is a really, really great discussion with two amazing men who really opened my eyes to their perspectives on empathy, on colonization, on racism. It was really like humbling in some ways because they shared things with me that I did not really understand, could not relate to. And we just had a really open, authentic, honest dialogue together. So that's on this Friday. Hope you check it out and I will see you soon whenever you decide to listen again. If you do, maybe this is the last episode. I don't know, but <laughs> I do hope to hear from you one day, regardless of where you are in this podcast journey with me, hearing from you brings me great joy. So again, everything is linked at WellEvator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. See you later, hopefully. Bye.